Good evening, everyone. <laughs> How many of you got your Bibles when you came in? Huh? All right, good. We wanted to make sure that all everybody got one of our Bibles so that you can be able to make sure you look things up. Is anybody that has been coming to the meetings tonight brought somebody new tonight? You brought one person new? You brought two. Did anybody else? You brought one too, Heidi? Okay, good. I'm going to do something that I don't normally do. You know that great big concordance I was given out for the first five nights? It's on here. Isn't, isn't modernism amazing? Not only is all of the concordance on here, but there's two versions of the Bible. There's a complete Bible commentary, a five-book commentary on it. Now, I got news for you. If you just go on, you're not going to be able to find all of that. But if you'll do lesson one, get at least 70%. You can go back to the library and guess what? You'll find some more stuff and some more stuff as you go along. Okay? So, thank you for bringing somebody tonight. Here you are, Heidi. All right, and I do have a book for everybody tonight. It's called The Point of No Return. The Point of No Return. Thank you. Sure. Pastor Stan had to go home. He apologizes, but uh, his wife said, you either come home or, you know. So, <laughs> you know how you girls are, right? Anyway, he's planning on being here Thursday night, so uh, it's okay. We, we said we'd get along without him for a couple of nights. It's okay. Uh, you know, one day a medical student come running into the class late again. The professor looked at him and said, don't even bother to sit down. Just get out. He said, well, but, but my car, he said, I don't, I don't want to hear it. He said, you've had an excuse too many times, just get out. But please, I, I don't, I, I got to take this class, I really want to take it. He said, I, I, just, I don't need the excuses, too many here want to learn. You're late all the time. And so he begged, almost got down on his knees. So the professor said, okay, I'll tell you, I volunteer some time at one of the free medical clinics because I'm, you know, he's also a doctor, okay? He said, uh, if you'll come and help me at the clinic, he said, I'll let you stay in the class. He said, and don't be late again. He said, I promise I'll be there, I'll be there. So Wednesday night came and he was supposed to be there at six, right? He shows up at five. He doesn't want to be late. And so he goes walking in, and there's only one person in the whole place up behind the desk, and she walked up there, and she, he says, uh, Good evening, I'm here. She says, I know why you're here. Get back there behind the red line. So he turned around, walked back, stood in the red line, you know. And pretty soon some other people came along, you know, and, and uh, it got to be, uh, you know, 520. He jumped out of the deal, went up to the lady. He says, ma'am, she says, if you don't get back in line, I'm calling security and throw you out of here. 
So he went back, and of course now he's several people back, right? And so, you know, he's really nervous. He keeps watching his clock and everything else, and, and, and all of a sudden he realizes this is a free clinic for venereal disease. And he's standing in line. Right away, you know, he pulls his deal up and he don't want anybody to see he's standing there, you know. About 10 minutes went by, it was about all he could stand. He went running up there to the front and he says, Ma'am, she says, Security! And he went back to the back of the line. It got to be five minutes to six. He finally jumped out of line. He ran up there. He says, ma'am, I'm a medical student. I'm supposed to be here helping Dr. So-and-so. And And if I'm late, he's not going to let me back in class. She said, why didn't you say that in the first place? (laughs) And let him in. Now, I know you wonder, what's the moral of that story? You know, Jesus stood in that line for each one of us. He knew what the line was for. And he took all of the shame and bared it all. Just as if he deserved to be in the line. What a wonderful God we serve, isn't it? That he was willing to be counted like one of us. Wow. Let's bow our heads together. Father, here we are. One more time to study your word. Tonight, as we study this subject of the unpardonable sin, oh, how we need your Holy Spirit to inspire us. May we feel your presence tonight through the Holy Spirit. Show us the truth in your word, for we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. We want to begin by turning over to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. As we turn over there, I know our deal says 32. I want us to look at verse 30 if we end. I know lots of church members know half of this verse. And they can recite it really well when you're not agreeing with what they believe. What's the half they remember? He that is not with me is against me. And that half, boy, they can recite. But you know, the second half says, He that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Just kind of let that sink in. If you're not gathering, what did Jesus say you're doing? You're scattering. Does that make sense? I know sometimes as Christians we think, oh, if we just open our mouth, they'll just think, oh, all we are, we just bother some to everybody. But, you know, you don't always have to open your mouth and do a Bible study. Amen? If you just open your mouth and smile and show your pearly whites, that a lot of times does a whole lot. Amen? And there's lots of things we can do to be able to witness for the Lord without standing up and preaching a sermon. We can be able to do things for Jesus to let them know that we are a Christian. Have you ever been in in line and paid the bill and the girl forgot you forgot to charge you something huh no <laughs> i have and uh, i realized it you know when i got out there and i was putting stuff in the deal and i've gone back in i didn't want to make any kind of a public scene so 
when I went over there and waited for a few minutes, she came to me and she says, can I help you? And I said, yeah, you made a little mistake. I said, you didn't charge me for this. And she says, oh, thank you very much, and rang it up, and I paid her. Okay? Now, did I have to go back? Sure I did. I'm a Christian. (laughs) Amen? Because that's what Christians do. Isn't that right? You know, we want to be able to stand for Jesus, because that's what Jesus would do. So in all these things, you always want to remember, if you're not gathering, you're scattering. Let's go on. Verse 31. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto man. Whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world and neither in the world to come. Wow, pretty serious, isn't it? Now, we've had lots and lots of people try to figure out what is this unpardonable sin. You know, some things it's murder. You know, some think it's suicide. Some think it's killing your parents, and others think it's killing your children. You know, I, I got news for you. It's much simpler than that. Hmm? I said it's much what? simpler than that. Most people, when they think about this, they never even let it dawn on them what the Bible is referring to in talking to this. You know, the Bible says in John chapter 16, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Another place in John, it says that he will bring all things to your remembrance that I have said. As we look at this, what is the job of the Holy Spirit? To guide us into all truth. And so when we're looking at this, remember the sin is specifically against the Holy Spirit. Isn't that what it tells us? So as we look at this, we need to know. That was John 16, 13, by the way. He will guide us into how much truth? Have you ever had him guide you into some truth you wished he hadn't of? Huh? Kind of just stomped all over you, you know. Not that too, you know. (laughs) I'm here to testify he can change what you like. (laughs) As we look at this and think, you know, most people understand sin is not doing the stuff you ain't supposed to do, you know. When it says, don't steal, you know, don't lie, all these don'ts, don't kill, don't commit adultery, everybody understands these things are sin, right? What most people don't understand is there's another side of sin that gets lost a lot of times. What is it? Not doing the right is just as bad as not doing or doing the wrong. It tells us, honor your father and your mother. All right? Also, read the Bible. Six days work. Keep the Sabbath. Go to church. Tell others about Jesus. Isn't that what it says? As we look at these things, then you need to understand Sin is as much not doing the right as it is doing the wrong. Now, for example, how many of you ate at least once today? 
Okay, how many ate two times? How many three? How many is going to go home and eat? <laughs> now, why do we do it? I know some of us can say because we like it, you know. But if you don't eat, what's going to happen? You're going to die. You know, you'll die much quicker if you don't drink. Amen? And don't, you don't drink any water, you're in big trouble right fast, right? Folks, in here we find the living water. In here we find the living bread. If you don't eat and drink daily, you will commit spiritual suicide. Does that make sense? And we worry about people who commit suicide. You know, listen, folks. You know, how do we know that before the gun actually, you know, did its duty, uh, he didn't say, forgive me? Now, I don't recommend the practice, okay? But all I'm saying is, we don't know what was in that person's mind. How do we know in the first place they were even in their right mind? Maybe they were in enough pain with enough medication that, folks, they weren't even thinking straight. Do you, do you begin to understand? Uh, you know, God is much, much bigger than we think He is. We need to take Him out of our box and let Him go. Okay? And remember, the sin is against the Holy Spirit. That's what it tells us. I'm going to read you a scripture. Somebody read it to me when I was first baptized. And uh, I thought at first, well, this isn't too bad. And then I discovered, mm, it's Revelation chapter 3, verse 5. The Bible says, He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. So now, what do I have to do? Overcome. Overcome what? Sin. sin. Yeah, okay, good. Now, I thought, okay, if i got to overcome sin, the first thing I should probably do is make a list of my sins so I know what I'm working on. Wouldn't that make sense? You know. So I did. I had nine of them. And I decided, okay, let's go to work on number one. You know, I didn't work too long, but I was doing a hard job. Before I discovered, I thought, okay, number one's gone. Let's go to work on number two. So I went to work on number two. And about that time, man, it looked like number two was gone. And I thought, well, this isn't going to be not as bad as I thought it was. Let's go to work on number three. I was working real hard on number three when I discovered number one was back. I don't know about the rest of you. That put me in such a depression. I thought I might as well give up now. I'll never make it. Anybody ever felt like this? You know, it's just me, I know. I even went to church and talked to one of the elders, you know, and explained it to him because I was really hurting. I was in trouble. And you know what he did? He gave me a pamphlet on the 109 sins, or the one, yeah, that I mean 100 sins that we need to ask forgiveness of because of the past that's happened. And this really made me feel much better because now I had 109. I mean, he just cheered me. You ever had a brother or sister in the church do that? Just really cheer you up, right? Make you really feel good, you know? 
you were already feeling so far down you couldn't see over the back of a worm, and now he comes along, hands you another hundred of them, you know. I don't know about the rest of you, but I just said, you know, I should just give up. You ever felt that way? That's Satan. That's what he wants you to do. As we look at this, we need to understand something. Go to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 1. Hebrews 12, verse 1. I want you to notice now what the Bible says. Wherefore, seeing we also are encompassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses. Where do we find these witnesses? In the Bible. You know, now I don't know how many of you can read the story of David and not help cheer yourself up a little bit. You know, I mean, uh, there may be some of us went out and committed adultery, but I doubt if there's too many of us had a man killed so you could cover it up. Amen. Isn't that amazing? But later God said he was a man after his own heart. You know, over and over we look at Samson. I mean, how many of these can we begin to see? Elijah, for crying out loud, went up on the top of the mountain, poured water all over his uh, sacrifice, and knelt down and began to pray. And I mean, fire came down and consumed everything, including the rocks and the water. Now, boy, he ought to be able to walk on water. Amen? He ought to have faith like you wouldn't believe. But it wasn't very much longer after that. You know, he ran away and hide from a woman called Jezebel, you know, and was afraid that he was going to get in trouble. Many, many, many witnesses. How about Mary Magdalene? You know? How about Rachel in, you know, Jericho? You ever read some of these stories? I mean, here God cleaned this woman up so much. She married a good man, had a baby. They had a baby, and we find not too far down the line, they were Jesus in that same family. Wow, huh? I mean, we need to keep this in mind, that God loves us, and he wants us, and he takes care of us. And so Paul's saying, listen, we have so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight, and the, what does it say? Now, let me ask you a question. Is that singular or plural? Plural. It's only got one sin, but it means every sin. Oh, I, 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 I agree with what you're saying, but I respectfully disagree. Other places it says sins, and in this place it says sin. Amen? So it's what? Singular. Singular. Let us lay aside... The sin which so easily besets us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Wow. The sin that so easily besets us. I want to read you a text that there's some really like this one. It's found in 1 John. And we go over and we look at the fact in chapter 3, verse 4. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4.
Everybody there? Whoever committeth what? Is that plural or singular? Whoever committeth sin transgresses also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. So if we commit a sin, it'll lead us to transgressing the law, which is now sins, exactly as you were saying, Laura. So as we look at this, if you actually go back to the original Greek, it really says this. Whosoever committeth sin will also transgress the law, which is sinning. Hmm. A sin. Wow. What is the sin that so easily besets us? I don't know about the rest of y'all. If I don't start the day off asking for the Holy Spirit to be in my heart, and if I set out to live my Christian experience today on my own efforts, guess what? I'm going to fail. And I'll find myself doing or saying something that I wouldn't normally say or do. And why? Because I was strong enough to do it on my own. But we're not. We're not. If we fail to ask God to give us the Holy Spirit every day, this is a sin. Are you with me? This is a sin. Because the Bible tells us that we can overcome sin. How? Through the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. So if you're not asking for it, then do you really want to overcome? Obviously not bad enough. And if you commit this sin, pretty simple, isn't it? I guarantee you're going to transgress the law. It just happens that way. It comes along. You know, am I plain? You know, when we see these things, you know, just suppose, now I'm going to give you an example. Suppose as I was reading and studying the Bible, and I became convinced that the Bible says, do not wear cowboy boots. Now, it doesn't say that, okay? I want to be clear, it doesn't say that. Okay, But let's assume for the moment it did and I become convinced of it. Guess what? I have a decision to make. Amen? Now I can be like some and say, well I see what it says here but I think. (laughs) You know God respects what you think but if what you think doesn't agree with this, guess who has to change? Does that make sense? Okay. So either I've got to say, okay, Lord, I don't understand why, but if you really don't want me wearing cowboy boots, okay. What do you want me to wear? And don't say barefooted because I'll never make it. You know? I used one night an example in a meeting. (laughs) Red shirts, right? (laughs) Next night a young man came back. He came up to me. He says, Pastor Jack, I went home. I took every red shirt or even had red in it. He said, I took it out back and threw it in the incinerator and burned them up. I said, well, the Bible didn't say that, but praise God for your faith. Amen? Who is the one that convinces you about cowboy boots? 
the Holy Spirit. If I reject what the Holy Spirit has taught me, how can God reach me? Does that make sense? And, and why should it give me any more? If I reach a point and I'm rejecting it, whatever that is, if I'm rejecting that point, why should he show me something else? And I got news for you. He'll only give it to you as you can stand it. Because if he gave you all of it at one time, we'd all give up. I guarantee it. Okay? But the point is he gives it to you a little bit at a time as you can grow in it. And so by doing this, whatever you reach a point that you've studied the Bible, you're convinced. What did I say? You're convinced. The Bible says every person has to be persuaded in their own mind. Now, I've met some brothers and sisters that want to be everybody else's conscience. Okay? They're going to pay for that one day. Just believe me. Okay? You know when you've been convinced of something by God. Amen? Now is when you have to do something or stop doing something. Does that make sense? And the Holy Spirit's the one guiding you. I, I, I want to make this subject easy. If you will not forgive men their trespasses, guess what? God won't forgive you. You know, that's a tough one. Do you ever think about that? I even had a lady come and ask me and said, you know, I was molested, you know, and you're telling me I have to forgive them. I don't even want to see them ever again. I don't even want to be around them. I don't even really want to talk to them. I said, you don't have to. That's not the point. The point is you have to forgive them. How in the world are you going to do that? You know, I hate him. I understand. I got a little brother. If I could have, I'd have took a club and beat him to death. You know? And I become convinced of this. And, and, and I read these texts and I thought, come on, God, can't you ask me something easy? You know, I said, how am I going to do this? I don't want to do this. He said, pray for him. I said, oh, that's easy. God, would you teach this little brother of mine? He had to tell me that wasn't exactly what I had in mind, Jack. I started praying for his salvation. Guess who it changed? You. Me. My little brother and I don't get together very often, and we don't see eye to eye on most things. But I think he's given his life to Jesus. I don't know. But he says he has. You know, he discovered that he's diagnosed with cirrhosis of the liver, and, and he's going to die. It's that simple. Uh, they gave him the option of going on the replacement, you know, uh, list, but he had to give up all drugs, alcohol, and everything else. And uh, he just couldn't do that. Admitted he couldn't. And he talked to his wife, Loretta, and they just decided that he was going to go on taking all these. He takes eight different pain pills six times a day. I mean, folks, if you took everything he took in one day, I guarantee you, you would be unconscious for a long time. You may never wake up, okay? But what made the difference? God told me, Jack, I love you, 
I forgive you. Jesus prayed for you. Can't you pray for your brother? And I'm going to tell you, you start doing this, your, your heart will change. Okay? I didn't say theirs would. I said yours would. And so as a result of that, we need to remember, what does the Bible tell us? Ask, what? And it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be what? Open. As we look in this, Jesus made a comment. John 12, verse 35. Let's look it up and read it. It's on the Seminary Bibles, by the way. It's on page 1573. Okay? So if you have trouble finding the books of the Bible, just look for page 1573 and you'll find it. Okay? John chapter 12. And we read here in verse 35. Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may be children of the light. Two little boys were out in the backyard arguing. One said, I bet I can stare at the sun longer than you can. He said, no, you can't. He said, yes, I can. He said, no, you can't. He said, yes, I can. No, you can't. Little boy laid down and began to stare up at the sun. The other one laid down beside him and began to stare up at the sun. By the time mother came home, neither boy could see. She rushed him to the emergency room. The doctor examined, and he said, well, there's about a 50-50 chance. And so he treated their eyes, covered them up, and said they had to leave them covered for three weeks. When they came back, they were able to see. The doctor looked at the two little boys and said, Now, boys, this is a lesson for you to learn. Light is made to walk in. It is not made to stare at. There's a verse in here that says, Ever studying, but never ever reaching the point of making a decision. Does that make sense? Listen, folks. Some people say, well, I don't know it all. That's okay. God winks at our ignorance. Did you know it? Now, you can't be willingly ignorant. You understand that? I mean, you can't say, well, I'm not going to read this, then I don't know. That, mm-mm, he ain't buying that one either, okay? But he only holds you accountable for what you do know. And so I don't care how much you know. If all you know is this much, It doesn't matter as long as what you do know, you walk in the light he gives you. And as he opens more unto you, you continue to walk in the light. Does that make sense? And the Bible says until you come to the day when Jesus comes to take you home. So don't worry about not knowing at all. Just do what the Holy Spirit's convicted you of now. That's what the question is. Well, in my strength, how much can I do? John 15, 5 tells me there isn't anything. All my good intentions are but like ropes of sand. Isn't that right? Well, I want to give you some encouragement. Philippians 4, 13. I can do what? Through Christ that strengtheneth me. 
Isn't that something? You know, even Jesus says, of myself, I can do nothing. But it's the Father that does it in me. See, Jesus is our example. Amen? And so he's saying the same thing. He, now you ought to write this one down and put it to memory. He that has begun a good work in you. Who began the good work in you? The Holy Spirit. That simple. See, some people come to this meeting because they thought they, you know, well, I go check it out. I got news for you. You're here because the Holy Spirit sent you. Hello. It's that simple. Okay. You can't even have a good thought. Holy Spirit didn't put it there. Everything like that comes from the Holy Spirit. So now get the verse that he's saying. He that begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Whose job is it? It's the Holy Spirit's job. Amen? Jesus living in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. You know what the biggest stumbling block to the Holy Spirit is sometimes? We get in the way. You know, the first thing we got to do is admit we can't and say, okay, Lord, but you promised you will. You know, if you fulfill what God's asked you to, I'm going to tell you something. You want to take a powerful thing? Whatever the Holy Spirit's convinced you of and you decide to walk in it, okay, you can take this Bible and say, God, you begin the work and you promise to finish it. Now keep your promise. And every day will be different than the day before. Could I say you'd never sin again? I wished I could say it. But I'm going to tell you something. You know, I'm not what God wants me to be. (laughs) This will surprise some of you. I'm not even what I want to be. But I thank God I'm not what I used to be. And only the Holy Spirit can take credit for that. So it changes. It's a lifetime. Do you understand that? And as you're going along in your lifetime walk with Jesus, the Holy Spirit is going to work with you, talk with you, convince you of things. And now he says, what are you going to do with truth? Turn your back on it or follow it? When I wake up in the morning, and usually I wait, I do it before I get out of bed because that way I haven't messed up yet. I just say, Lord, thank you so much for giving me another day. Please take me today. Okay? Use me today in your service. Not gathering, I'm scattering. Use me today in your service. Not what I want, but what you want for me. May that be done today. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Guide me into the paths of right doing and deliver me from evil. I start off usually every morning about like that. Okay? I don't concentrate on the sin. That Satan wants you to concentrate on the sin. What I try to concentrate on is the solution. <laughs> the, uh, the Bible is clear that there is God the Father, there is God the Son, and there is God the Holy Spirit. Some people want to argue about this. 
uh, I'm sorry, Jesus is our example, and Jesus said, go and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm sorry, that's orders from headquarters. That's good enough for Jack. I'm that simple, okay? The Holy Spirit is something that's felt. It can be something that literally you can hear sometimes. Sometimes they'll speak to you, especially through God's Word. Okay, sometimes you'll ask a prayer or something, and you'll find God talking to you about it. Um, you know, you'll find yourself in a predicament. I let my hair down, Heather. You girls have always been a, a, a trial for me. You know what I'm saying? That song, standing on the corner, watching all the girls. Hello. And sometimes I'm so stupid, I don't even know when I'm being tempted. Okay? And I said, God, if you're going to change this, you have to do it. I can't. And I said, you've got to be able to do it. It's that simple. Now, you know, you're driving down the street, right? And there's that little thing wearing less than she ought to be wearing. Okay? And you know how we are, right? You know, I, I'll catch myself and I'll say, Lord, let me see and turn back. Okay, does that make sense? And, and you can be talking to someone and say, Lord, let me see what you see. Let me find what you find. And he can change that. I'm here to testify, okay? Now, am I safe to go out and do it on my own, Heather? Don't, don't try me, okay? But with the Holy Spirit... I, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit can say, Jack, oh, yeah, right, Lord, let me look at something else. You see what I'm saying? Now, it isn't audible, you know, Heather, I mean, it doesn't say it out loud, but something inside me says, look at something different, you know, and, and so on. And so God does that. It's just one thing in my life that, he, that he's changed, okay? And so as a result of that, I know something else, though. I can't be trusted. I know that. The three parts of an egg. Yeah. Okay. It's only one egg. It's only one egg. But you've got the shell and the white and the yolk. And the egg yolk. Oh, there's lots of things made up of threes, but yeah. I mean, she probably yeah. But uh, I'll try to get you some more information, Heather. But the whole... You know, Jesus, when Jesus became... Jesus, from the Word to flesh, one thing that he gave up was his ability to be everywhere at the same time. And so the Holy Spirit assumed this position, and it is the Holy Spirit that is the agency that represents Jesus. And he can be everywhere at the same time. Now sometimes, some people want to say, she I'm not going to get off on that, folks. Come on. You know, I, I tell you something. God is as much woman as he is man. Hello. And I'm not saying, you know, that he's a transsexual or whatever that is. Don't, don't try to read me wrong. I'm just saying, if God can understand the way a woman thinks and feels, and that's a miracle within itself, Okay then he's got to be part woman. Would you agree with that? And if he can understand a man, he's got to be part man too, okay? So, 
You know, uh, God the Father loves each one of us. But it's the Holy Spirit that's the agency that's working here on this earth, okay, at this time. Jesus says, I'll never leave you, nor will I forsake you, Hebrews 13. You know, have you ever been in a crowd and been all alone? Huh? 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 Yeah, been in a crowd and been all alone. You know, you felt like the fifth wheel, you know. I got news for you. Jesus is still there. He loves you. All right. I know some people want to argue about, well, you know, I'll never forget. My neighbor invited me to come over for New Year's. Okay. And of course he drinks and, and most of the people that come drinks, you know, and, and I don't drink and I don't smoke. So I went over there and invariably there were two fellows there that were, uh, agnostic, okay? Uh, they were atheists. They didn't believe in God. And uh, they'd always turn the subject towards religion. And they'd say, oh, you don't smoke? I'd say, no. My doctor says I'm better without it. Hello? You don't drink? No, my doctor says I'm healthier without it. I didn't preach to him about Jesus. I didn't become a Bible thumper. Okay? But isn't that true? Who is the great physician? Are we not healthier because we follow the things he said? Yes. Mona? Yeah. Okay. You were just, yeah. And so as a result of that, I'm going to tell you. They used to tell me, because they'd ask me some pointed questions about, you know, the Bible. And... uh Pete got cancer. And when I came home one during summer break, I was told that he had cancer, didn't have too long to live. And uh, I had told Pete before, I said, Jesus loves you whether you know him or not. So I went down to visit him. And of course, Carol was glad to see me. That was his wife. And I went in and we sat and began to talk together. And I said, well, Pete... Have you made it right with Jesus? He says, come on, Jack, you know the way I feel. He said, you know, I I don't believe in that stuff. I said, I don't care whether you believe it or not. Jesus still wants you as his, and all you got to do is ask him. So we dropped it. I'm smart enough not to, you know, be in irritation. We talked for probably another hour, and we went to leave, and I said, well, can I have a word of prayer? And Pete said, I'd rather not. And I said, okay, Pete. You know, and I just had silent prayer. We went on to work. We were in um, South Dakota. And uh, Rapid City, South Dakota, as a matter of fact, I remember. We were just getting ready to start a meeting. And my phone rang, and it was Carol. And she says, Jack, I've got to call you and tell you something. Because I thought you'd really want to know. I said, okay. She said, you know, for about two weeks, Pete had been completely out of it. She said, the other morning, he seemed perfectly lucid, called me over and and, uh, held my hand and told me how much he loved me. And he said, I want you to know something, honey. Everything's going to be okay. I had a little talk with Jesus, and it's going to be okay. 
Wonderful. I never preached him a sermon. Hello. All I ever tried to do was just be a friend and show him Jesus. We never know how far it'll go. And I have to give the Lord that. So I know there are those Christians that would have ridiculed me because I went to the New Year's party. But you know, sometimes if you go and you're a Christian in the Christ-like manner, okay, you ain't got to be a religious nut or an irritation, but you can witness for Jesus Christ. Now don't go down and start hanging out at the bar. Come on. Use your brain. Okay. But I've had people say, well, what about if you go to a wedding and they're drinking? Go. Go. Okay. Go and be part of it. Go and see how much you, they care for you. Let's stand together and pray. Father, Thank you for the privilege of being able to speak to your people tonight. I pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit, I've made it simple and plain. I want everyone to look to Jesus. That's the only place I can find any help or strength. May each of us learn to do this. May each of us learn not to commit the sin. It's so easily fits into our lives. We don't want that, Father. We want to live like Jesus lived. We want to talk like Jesus talked. We want to love like Jesus loved. But, Father, we are never going to do it unless the Holy Spirit, who began the work, keeps the promise to fulfill this work until the day of Jesus' coming. And Jesus says he will present us faultless. So thank you, Jesus. We ask in your name. Amen.